When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, Birdland. I'm Mark Brown. I've been covering the Orioles for more than a decade on CamdenChat.com and hosting this podcast for 92 episodes and counting. It is now January the 29th, 2024. We are down to 59 days to go until opening day and real baseball returns with the start of the spring training now 16 days from today. As spring training is getting close, that means we are entering top prospect list season as the various writers and publications that put out lists try to get them out before exhibition games get underway next month. So in today's episode, we will be going over the Orioles who are on the three major top 100 lists that have come out so far, which is Baseball America, Baseball Prospectus, and MLB Pipeline. Baseball America and Baseball Prospectus, by the way, are only available to subscribers, but the MLB Pipeline list, MLBPipeline.com, is available free to the public. As recently as two years ago, this prospect list season was one of the most exciting parts of the year for Orioles fans because there was nothing to look forward to in the coming season at the major league level, so all we could hope to do was see signs of progress in the minors. Things have gotten a whole lot better for the Major League team in the intervening two years, especially last year. So at least as far as looking ahead for 2024, having top 100 prospects is more of a fun bonus than something essential for this year. Although continuing to have a number of top prospects every year, I think, is going to be essential to sustain success for the Orioles going forward, especially if... John Angelos, or whoever ends up uh, owning and controlling the team does not end up investing in either free agents or contract extensions for existing exciting young players. And the good news about these top 100 lists is there's still plenty to be excited about in the Orioles farm system. The Orioles have six top 100 prospects on each one of these three lists that have been put out so far. Uh, There will be others coming. I believe Fangraphs is putting one out this week. I would expect the Athletics' Keith Law will probably have his soon as well. But for now, again, we've got Baseball America, Baseball Prospectus, MLB Pipeline. Jackson Holiday has been the unanimous number one overall prospect in baseball on these lists so far, following in the footsteps at number one, particularly at Baseball America for Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson. Along with Holiday, Kobe Mayo and Samuel Basayo are each top 30 or better on all three lists. And outfield prospects Colton Kowser and Heston Kerstad are all ranked 51st or better on all three of the lists. There are three more Orioles prospects who are in the top 100 of one of the three lists, but not more than one. That's D.L. Hall, who's at number 93 on Baseball America. Last year's first-round pick, Enrique Bradfield Jr., at number 82 on Baseball Prospectus. Baseball Prospectus, by the way, is a top 101, not 100, but close enough. Anyway, 
And then at number 63 on MLB Pipeline's top 100 is Joey Ortiz. So in total, the Orioles have eight different players who are in a top 100 list. Five of them are on all three, and then there's the three guys who are on one list apiece. So before we move on, just a quick reminder of who actually counts as a prospect. That follows criteria that is established by MLB for who still has rookie eligibility for a coming season, which is once a player has recorded 130 big league at-bats, or if he's a pitcher, thrown 50 big league innings, or if he has spent 45 days on the 26-man roster during the season, then at that point, his rookie status is said to be exhausted so that at the end of whatever season is ongoing, uh, he won't carry over rookie uh, potential rookie of the year eligibility to the following year. And so at that point, he doesn't count as a prospect anymore either. So D.L. Hall, still a prospect, even though he has spent uh, parts of two seasons in the Orioles' bullpen. He has neither thrown 50 innings nor been around for a total of 45 days. Uh, of course, Grayson Rodriguez, who threw over 100 innings, uh, is no longer a prospect. And then among the position players, you've got Kowser, still a prospect with 61 at-bats. Joey Ortiz, still a prospect with even fewer at-bats. But Jordan Westberg, who accumulated 208 at-bats and many more than 45 days on the roster, does not count as a prospect anymore. Comparing to this time last year, the stock is seriously soaring for Kobe Mayo and Samuel Basayo. Mayo was only on one of these three lists at this time one year ago. Basayo was not on any of them. Holiday even managed to improve on his already high prospect stock since he jumped from the 12 to 15 range uh, around this time last year to, again, the unanimous number one overall. The lists are staying on the Heston Kerstad hype train uh, after his month or so of big league hitting about average. And they have not given up yet on Colton Kowser, even though many Orioles fans have uh, with Kowser having struggled over his 26 big league games. Heading in the other direction, on the other hand, is Connor Norby, who was near the bottom of two of these lists a year ago, now is not even near the bottom on any of them. Ortiz has fallen on down to just one list after being on two last year. The same is also true for D.L. Hall. And with Hall, of course, now that he's starting to look like he's just going to be a reliever, even though Mike Elias insists the Orioles view Hall as a starting pitcher long-term, I think that explains the, uh, the halt to his prospect stock value. But as far as Norby and Ortiz, I think their tumbling of value in particular probably has a lot to do with why the Orioles haven't pulled off a trade for a substantial improvement to the starting rotation this offseason, the trade that just about everybody, uh, fans and media alike, seem to want the Orioles to make. If other teams are not valuing Ortiz and Norby as highly as Orioles fans want them to value those two players, then if we add to that that, let's say, Jackson Holiday and Kobe Mayo are untouchable, as I think they should be, then, of course, the fact that although the Orioles do have a surplus of infield prospects, that doesn't give them much avenue to make a trade. So I think probably that's why we haven't seen anything like that happen up to this point. And 
I don't know if that's going to change. You know, Norby could uh, come out and do better than he did last year, and that would rebuild his value some. Ortiz, unfortunately, I don't know. I don't know what more he can do. You know, like even if he does well in AAA, uh, he's already 25 years old. This is going to be his age 25 season. So there's not a whole lot more for him to prove in the minors. So I don't know. His his stock probably is whatever it is. So does that mean different for if the Orioles kick the trade down the road and try and do it in July? I don't really know, but um, it is a bit of a bummer to see that these two guys have dropped because, again, I mean, that kind of puts a damper on the Orioles being able to offer from a quote-unquote surplus because maybe they don't actually have uh, a, a, um, a surplus of players that other teams have put some value on. It is always worth keeping in mind, though, prospect rankings are not the final word on what kind of major leaguer a given player will make. Sometimes you do get a player who breaks out at the big league level without ever having been a top 100 prospect. On the Orioles right now, 2023 staff ace Kyle Bradish never placed in the top 100 on any one of these lists, which was no barrier to him going on to uh, finish in fourth place in the Cy Young voting for last year with a better season than the guy who finished third. So that's worth keeping in mind. Um, On the other side of things, of course, there are times where players don't end up turning out as stars despite their rankings suggesting they are sure to make it or they could even end up busting entirely. Infamously, for me anyway, Former Oriole Brian Mattis was once ranked as high as a top five prospect in the game with publications writing about his future top of the rotation uh, potential. Mattis, of course, washed out entirely as a starting pitcher and frankly was not even all that good as a lefty specialist reliever. So forever my prospect disappointment, I think. Um, Probably because Mattis was like the first... uh, Orioles draft pick who was drafted after I really, really started paying attention to the team as an adult. But, um, well, actually, that's not true. It really was Matt Wieters. And Matt Wieters, although he didn't end up having the Hall of Fame career we were all imagining for him as a prospect, mighty solid Oriole. And if any of these um, players on the prospect rankings right now end up having a Matt Wieters like Orioles career, that would be pretty darn good. Although, admittedly, if Jackson Holiday only accumulates about 18 baseball reference war as an Oriole, that would probably feel a little bit disappointing for him too. But anyway, the Orioles uh, with six guys on each of these top 100 lists, they're either tied for the most or second most of all teams. Uh, they're only behind the Chicago Cubs who have seven on the top 100 for MLB pipeline. So, you know, it's better to have a plethora of prospects who get valued on these rankings than not. There are always going to be busts, but I think most guys who have the kind of talent that ends up getting them generally consensus on top 100 lists, 100 lists are going to end up helping some big league team somewhere. The Orioles group right now is tilted towards the high minors. Um, Kowser and Kerstad ended the season having gotten a decent amount of time with the MLB team, Jackson Holiday and Kobe Mayo ended the season at AAA, and of course, Samuel Basayo ended it at AA. The Orioles, they already won 101 games last year, and all of these guys are coming, maybe all of them, by the middle of next year, 
and most of them by the middle of this year. So it's pretty darn exciting. It is an exciting time to be an Orioles fan. And uh, let's just hope that after the season begins at the end of March and has gone on for a little while, things are still working out that we're feeling pretty darn excited still. I will be right back to talk about what is going to be significant for the Orioles with these top prospects and into the future, right after a message from a Fans First Sports Network sponsor. Okay, so I think there are a few things that are going to be worth keeping an eye on going forward with the Orioles and top prospects. The first for me is that they're just going to need to keep finding top prospects even without the benefit of picking in the top five of the draft. As three of their uh, five guys who are the unanimous, well, consensus top 100 guys, Heston Kerstad, Colton Kowser, and Jackson Holiday, those guys were consecutive top five picks from 2020 to 2022 drafts. The good news is the Orioles have already, uh, under Mike Elias, shown some skill in getting um, and developing players from beyond the top of the first round in turning them into useful players. Gunnar Henderson, of course, was a second-round pick, and Jordan Westberg was chosen with a competitive balance pick at the end of the first round. Of course, Kobe Mayo was a later-round pick as well. The Orioles got him in the fourth round of the shortened 2020 draft. But really, more broadly, the Orioles are just going to need to find keep finding top prospects from somewhere because it's entirely possible that one year from now of the five players here who are on all three of these prospect lists, only Samuel Basayo is going to still be in the minors. DL Hall and Joey Ortiz, I think will have either graduated to the majors or their performance will dictate. They've dipped off prospect rankings for good. Uh, their performance combined with their age, I guess I should say. And I mean, again, the Orioles have managed to do this so far with, uh, in 2023, Mayo and Basayo taking big leaps as prospects. It's going to be good for the system if at least one more player can do that leap over the course of 2024. Last year's first-round pick, uh, Enrique Bradfield Jr., if he's a consensus top 100 player a year from now, that would certainly help a lot. But so would development from earlier drafted outfielders like Dylan Beavers and Judd Fabian or a couple of uh, top three-round infielders from the past couple of Orioles drafts, Max Wagner and Mac Horvath. The second thing for me is that uh, the Orioles are eventually going to need to get some starting pitching prospects. Now, while the Braddis example shows that they can find good big leaguers without having a name brand prospect uh, stock at any point. That's good, but I don't think that should be routinely counted on that. They're just going to be able to continue to do that again and again, again. I mean, that's what I think, but Elias does not seem concerned with uh, using his higher round picks on uh, pitchers in the draft. Although he did, end up choosing a couple in the top three rounds uh, in last year's draft in a way that he had not done and signed them before. There's certainly Orioles fans out there who uh, have serious orange-tinted lenses about pitching prospects like Justin Armbruster, Chase McDermott, and Cade Povich. Maybe Elias is feeling pretty rosy about those guys too, and that's another reason why he is not out there paying some kind of exorbitant trade price for an established big league pitcher, but 
Whatever the case, I think it's going to be helpful if the team has an internal option to plug into its uh, its five guys in the rotation a year from now, after which John Means will have become a free agent at the end of this year's uh, season. And of course, if Means is not able to return to good health and good performance uh, over the course of this season, after getting back into action full uh, full go from Tommy John surgery, he only got to make four starts last year, remember, So if means is not an option for this year, the Orioles are going to need an internal option even sooner. My third thing is that it's really going to be helpful if the Orioles can get, let's say, uh, a top 100 caliber prospect from the international amateur signing groups at least every other year, maybe more often than not. I don't think it's essential to hit every year, but if they can do it most of the time, most years signing classes over the long run, that'll be good. We talked about this group of players that uh, they have signed a couple of episodes ago at the moment with the rapid prospect rise of Basayo, who is still just 19 years old and will not turn 20 until August, which means under uh, MLB's accounting, this is the age 19 season for Basayo. That means the Orioles are looking pretty good on this front. It's going to look even better, I think, if one of the uh, subsequent seven-figure bonus guys after Basayo, like outfielder Braylon Tavera, or shortstop Luis Almeida, can take a big step forward over the course of this season. As I said a couple of episodes ago, I am going to be interested to see how Tavera does as he hits a full-season affiliate with low-A Delmarva. It was Basayo really catching on fire once he uh, hit the full-season affiliate level that rocketed his prospect stock. Tavera isn't maybe going to be quite the same, even if he hits as well as Basayo did, if only because he's not a catcher. Basayo being a catcher hitting like he's doing is part of what is making his stock as high as it is. But still, the Orioles are going to need to get somebody other than Samuel Basayo over time, um, and hopefully more years than not again to end up turning into top 100 caliber guys. Can they do it? Well, uh, I guess a year from now we'll start to have an idea of whether Basayo is a fluke, a stroke of good luck for them, or whether it's the start of uh, regularly being able to develop players like that. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that the team is starting to invest in keeping players around beyond the six or seven years of team control that they are granted. That's something that I would like to see. And over the weekend, we got another example of another team choosing to do this with one of its own top prospects. The Detroit Tigers announced a contract extension for their own yet-to-debut in MLB top prospect Colt Keith, who is rated at number 22 on MLB Pipeline's top 100 list. Keith is now guaranteed about $29 million over the next six years, with the Tigers holding option years that could increase the value of the deal to as much as $82 million over nine years. And crucially, years seven, eight, and nine there are the Tigers potentially being able to buy out Keith's free agent years, which is really what makes the extension uh, an extension, because while it's great for Keith that he's guaranteed the money over the six years, um, he would have become a free agent, assuming all went well for him, regardless after the six years. So now the Tigers have those option years. So Keith could potentially be a Tiger for the next nine years. 
Colt Keith is a third baseman by trade. He was a fifth-round pick out of the high school ranks in 2020, so he's very comparable in age and prospect stock to the Orioles' Kobe Mayo, who is a little bit lower on uh, MLB Pipeline's top 100 list, although Mayo is ranked higher than Keith on the other lists. Uh, He's in the teens on the other lists published so far. So given that the two most exciting potential Orioles extension candidates, well, who fans would like to be potential extension candidates, uh, Gunnar Henderson and Jackson Holiday. Again, those guys are Scott Boris clients. That is the MLB agent who's generally nearly universally advises his clients to not sign uh, his young clients to not sign any extensions that potentially buy out their free agent years. So that pretty much rules them out of getting an exciting for Orioles fans contract extension. So that being the case, a contract comparable to Cold Keats for Kobe Mayo really might be Orioles fans' best bet for getting some kind of notable, interesting, and really more than a bit exciting extension done at the present. Uh, One key difference, though, between the Orioles and the Tigers, and thus between the situations for Keith and Mayo, is that the Tigers really, really stunk at third base last year. Their third baseman combined to hit a 214 average, 294 on base percentage, 329 slugging percentage over the whole season. That is just absolute trash. Uh, by comparison, just in case you were wondering, Orioles third baseman in the 2023 season combined to uh, bat a 245 average, 325 on base percentage, 394 slugging percentage. So that's nearly. 100 points of OPS, actually 95 points of OPS better between uh, Tigers third baseman and Orioles third baseman. So that's pretty pretty bad for the Tigers. And so that being the case, uh, Colt Keith has a path to play on opening day this year to make the roster. The Orioles infield situation, of course, is of much better quality with Gunnar Henderson and Jordan Westberg carrying over from last year as well as useful, if less exciting, veterans Jorge Mateo and Ramon Arias. Jackson Holiday, of course, is possibly poised to break camp with the team at the end of March as well. So where do you fit in Mayo? Well, there are scouts who think Mayo will eventually shift to first base uh, because he's a big dude, and big dudes don't generally have the agility needed for the hot corner. There's other scouts who think that Mayo's arm is so good that it would be a shame to waste him at first base, and so he should maybe settle in at right field. At first base for the Orioles, the Ryan Mountcastle slash Ryan O'Hearn platoon was fine last year. The outfield situation, of course, as we know, is also loaded pretty well for the Orioles. They just don't have the same incentive to lock up Mayo to a contract right now as uh, the, the Tigers do for Keith. Of course, if you really believe in Mayo as a hitter, you probably think that he is a better option than Mountcastle for 2024. Um, But still, if the Orioles don't extend Mayo right now, you know, there's a rational explanation for it. But for those fans who are looking for Angelos to invest in some player, any player, as as a long-term fixture for the franchise, and I am certainly in that group, I have been banging this drum for basically as long as I've been doing this podcast, which is coming up on a full year now in this incarnation of the show, we're all going to have to keep waiting for at least another day. That's all that there is for today. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, please do make sure to subscribe on your favorite platform. Maybe tell a friend or family member about the show. I will be back every Monday for the rest of the offseason and also during spring training as soon as possible afterwards if a big pitching trade or signing ever does happen. Do remember you can email camdencastpod at gmail.com if you have a question or comment you would like to be uh, discussed in a future episode of the show or even if you just have any private feedback from me about the podcast. Good Morning Birdland is a Camden Cast production on the Fans First Sports Network. This is Mark Brown signing off.